Hey guys, before we get into this episode, just a note. It appears that my audio partway through the show gets a little funky. Different funky than last week's audio. So uh, we're doing really great here on This Week in Marvel. Uh, So apologies if I get a little low at some point. Um, But to be honest, we have been slammed with crazy awesome stuff this week. And uh, we recorded a really fun episode and we simply didn't have enough time and i didn't want to scrap the episode uh because we haven't missed a dang week so we're going to go on through apologies if i get a little low uh part way through but enjoy another fabulous episode of this week in marvel this week in Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to episode number 215 of This Week in Marvel, the official Marvel podcast of all news, new releases, and hand gestures. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Marvel.com senior editor Ben Morse, uh, waving my hands around in the air like I just don't care and seeing if Ryan will notice. I did. Yes, thank you. I appreciated it. Uh, No Tucker today. He's on assignment with Blake Garris. Some really exciting, super secret special stuff. It's probably not so secret. They've probably already tweeted about it, knowing them. They're at at an event. Whatever. I'm not going to talk more about it. Terrific. Um, I can tell you're excited. We've got a lot of stuff to cover today. We've got quite a few comics to catch you guys up on. We're going to tell you everything that's available. We're going to give you the latest news. We have an interview with Sam Humphreys. Say what? That's right. Slamming Sammy Humphreys is going to talk about Weird World with us. And then we're going to come back and discuss Incredible Hercules as part of the Unlimited Reading Club. Terrific. Sounds like an action-packed episode. I can tell you're excited. Yeah. You got your water. Yeah. Don't have any coffee. I had coffee this morning. Yeah, I don't drink coffee much more. That's I good. Drink less than I used to. I think that's good. I stopped drinking coffee in college, and I never looked back. I still drink it. But no, I know you not, do. I, I used to drink 32 ounces of iced coffee that's, every day. That's a lot. That's too much for most humans. Yeah. You used to drink to excess, and now you're drinking as as a normal person would. Yeah. It's, good. it's good. Healthy lifestyle continues. Yes. Speaking of healthy lifestyles, um, let's talk comics. <laughs> Remember that show? Let's talk comics. You were a guest. What the hell was that? That was James Viscardi's show. Oh yeah. Yeah. He doesn't do it anymore. I haven't seen it in a while, so I assume he doesn't. Dumb James. Yeah. He had a good thing going. That was a really, yeah. That was a fun podcast. Yeah. Shout out to James Viscardi and uh, let's talk comics. Yeah. Maybe he'll come back someday. Yeah. If we will it so. But let's talk comics, uh, which we now own the trademark to. Uh, and I'm going to start with all-new Hawkeye, number two, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Ramon Perez, colors by Ian Herring. This story takes place in two separate time periods in the far-flung future. Old man Clint Barton and middle-aged Kate Bishop take on a very different Mandarin. Uh, we don't know if this is the original Mandarin. He just has an awesome Ramon perez design outfit with this crazy like kaleidoscope tie and a pocket square, which I thought was wonderful. They are trying to uh, liberate some information from him. They're also trying to work a counterpoint with S.H.I.E.L.D. They find out that those kids slash weapons they dealt with way back in the day are still wreaking havoc in the future. Meanwhile, in the present, Clint and Kate are split up, going about their own business. 
Clint is trying to get back on Kate's radar. She's not having it. She's busy going out to meals and dancing with Miss America Chavez. You know. Uh, another unexpected young Avengers ally shows up in the future to help them out there. And the issue concludes with future Clint and Kate liberating one of the kids. Well, meanwhile, in the present, they're still worlds apart. Worlds apart. On to Amazing Spider-Man number four, uh, written by Dan Slott, art by Giuseppe Camincoli, Cam Smith, and Marte Garcia. Uh, I love the opening here. It opens on uh, Scorpio hanging out with Gemini. Uh, they're just laying down. Just chilling. Just looking at the stars. Yeah. Yeah, just talking, you know, like thinking about life and feelings and stuff. And taking and, over the world. Yeah. And he's like, you know... Uh, what should I do? You know, you guys can sort of see the future and like, well, if you do what you're going to do normally, you're probably going to be good. Mm -hmm. You know, most likely succeed. But if you push your enemies right now, well, one of their best allies will abandon them. And so S.H.I.E.L.D. is who they're trying to get around and get through. uh, And their ally in question is Spider-Man. So, um, Zodiac pushes full force against S.H.I.E.L.D., a multi-faceted attack, so it seems, driving S.H.I.E.L.D. to uh, act and pull all their resources. So it's cool you get little cameos from, like, Agent May, Agent Coulson, Human Torch, uh, Mockingbird, Spidey, Prowler, all, you know, trying to deal with something. But while that's going on, uh, Spider-Man, Peter, gets a, a call from Aunt May who is in the midst of uh, being attacked uh, in in like a, um, uh, like a, like a, she's doing like a relief fund. Yeah, relief. with the Uncle Ben Foundation. Yep. Helping out in a impoverished country. Yeah. So they're uh, under uh, the Parker Industries banner, like trying to do some good in an industry that, in an area that needs it. Mm -hmm. Then she gets attacked and all Peter can see are like pumpkin bombs. Which is, you have to imagine, the most terrifying thing for him. Yeah. I mean, that's awful. So he's like, I am not helping S.H.I.E.L.D. So sorry. See you later. Yep. Mock- he literally ejects Mockingbird from his plane. But but gives her something cool. Yeah, so we find off. out that uh, Mockingbird has this cool new costume, and it's made by Spidey and Parker Industries. Uh, and it's, the creepy part is Spidey has, like, built-in stuff. Right, that she doesn't know about. She did not know about. So he gave her wings. Yeah. Which would be cool to like tell someone, yeah. oh, hey, here's a new costume. Also, you can fly. It's also odd that you think about it. He has to have prepared for the eventuality that he would have to eject her without telling her. Yeah. Um, and somehow telling her about the wings might prepare her for that. Totally. It's a lot of uh, circles within circles. Yes. Uh, so Spidey abandons the shield side of things to go and help his Aunt May deal with uh, these people who have, you know, goblin um, powers and uh, uh, weapons uh so the shield stuff unfolds and uh you get to see the scope of what's going on and what that might mean for this zodiac versus shield uh storyline uh all the while some trickery going on on where spidey's concerned and and how he's dealing with stuff and then we get another little taste of uh this this crazy scary weird um thing with spidey's villains who are who we don't talk about enough who giuseppe camincoli oh my He's so steady yep. that we don't bring him up enough, but he just he's just rocks it on Spider-Man yeah. more than once a month yeah. and has been for quite some time. A long time. So, quick shout-out to Giuseppe. Totally. Another shout-out to Black Knight number 2, written by Fancy Frank Thierry, 
art by Luca Pizzari and Kev Walker and Tony Fabella's on colors here, much like Hawkeye, this takes place in two different time periods. In the present day, the Uncanny Avengers have come to Weird World to take down a corrupt, violent, evil, possibly ruler who just happens to be the Black Knight, their own ally. How did they get to this point? That's what we find out in the flashback sequences by Kev Walker, where Black Knight visits Avengers Mansion to try to get some help with the Ebony Blade, figure out what's going on with it, ends up getting recruited into a mission by Steve Rogers and helping out against the Exemplars. Something goes pretty horribly wrong that we'll learn more about hopefully next month. But meanwhile, in the present day, Uncanny Avengers is taking on Black Knight and his whole kingdom, which is, you know, the, these these knights who now fight for him. He's got big dragons on his side. He's got monsters. He's got all everything that Weird World would have to offer. It's great art uh, every which way, whether it's by Luca Bizzari, whether it's by Kev Walker. And this Black Knight versus Avengers War figures to get even worse next issue. Yeah. Uh, on to Contest of Champions, number three, written by Al Ewing, art by Paco Medina, Juan Vlasco, David Curiel, and Andrew Crossley. And uh, we were set up the Collector versus the Grandmaster, this big uh, battle for infinite something. Yeah, something. Awesomeness. Yeah, infinite awesomeness. Uh, like a it's total, a, a medal that says, like, I'm the awesomest. Yeah. Uh, and a little infinity symbol. Yeah. So they've got their summoners on the collector side. You have Maestro and his crew is Ares and Stick, Iron Man, Gamora, Guillotine, and Outlaw. Uh, and on the Grandmaster side, Punisher 2099, who doesn't show up in this issue. No, not in this issue. Which is a bummer. Disappointing. Yeah, I wanted to see more of him. Yeah. Uh, he's got Joe Fixit, Sentry, Venom, and throughout the issue we find out additionally another Hulk, who we see who that really is in this. Oh, that was pretty cool. So great. Yeah. Uh, as well as... Kind of an obscure Hulk. Yeah. But he really yeah, existed. Yeah. Uh, as well as Bullseye, who is Electra. Yeah. Uh, this alternate reality, uh, Electra. And it's just, it's awesome. There's like Ares getting really pissed off and wanting to kill Sentry because the Sentry he knows mm-hmm. murdered him. So, you know. You know. And there's all that going play. on. Yeah. Uh, the Venom is super creepy. You've got uh, Maestro, like, sort of plotting. And we see a little bit more of, like, the weirdness going on with him. And that's going to lead to, I'm sure, something horrible for someone somewhere yeah. down the line. Uh, We're Marvel. That's what we do. Yeah. And by the end, uh, the Venom symbiote attaches itself to another character. And it is probably a nightmare for everyone. The results produced are fantastic. Deadpool number four. Three, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Mike Hawthorne, Terry Pallet, and Guru EFX. Deadpool is in jail. He's getting booked because uh, the cops have caught up with him and noticed that he may have murdered a bunch of dudes, which we've seen over the course of the first few issues. <laughs> Deadpool said, no, not quite, although he almost implicates himself in the course of the interrogation. But he comes up with a plan to catch the real person who's doing it. He gives a call to the Mercs for money to come help him out. None of them do because they're off doing their own thing. But in the process, we get to see what Solo's home life is like. We get to see how Terror has come into contact with Shikla and now uh, is also working with Morbius. We get a real cool twist on Stingray and what he's doing there because it always seemed a little off that Stingray was a part of this. I, uh, I loved those two pages of Stingray stuff. Yeah. It was like, oh, all right. I really dig this. Stingray is, its he's not just a, a lot of these characters are kind of jokey, like, oh, I can't believe they're on the team, but Stingray he's the white cred here. He's the white meat baby face of the group. Absolutely. And it really shows here. Yeah. 
Uh, we get a little look into Madcap's mind. That's terrifying. This stuff going on with Slapstick is really unsettling, and I want to know more about it, but I kind of don't want to oh, know man. more about it. What a bummer. At all. And then Fool Killer's just off killing fools. Trying, um, at least. Trying to, trying to kill some fools. So Deadpool's plan goes horribly awry, as Deadpool's plans tend to go. This was just a... And we, and we see who... I, I already can tell from here who the fake Deadpool is. Can you tell who it is? No. From this one little panel they show? No. All right, I'll talk about it with you. Off, is it... Off air. Is it... Yeah, I think so. Yeah, right? Nailed it. I think so. I've, That's I've my mouthed guess. it to That's ben. my guess. That or like Demo Goblin. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't I think don't it's going to be Demo Goblin. Um, yeah, I, I like this book because I love these all these characters. I like what Jerry's doing with them. I like that, as he did in the last series, he will balance between doing a funny thing and then a heartfelt thing and then a kind of horrifying thing. It's all great, and uh, Hawthorne knows how to draw it. Yeah. All right, we've got Guardians of the Galaxy number three by Brian Michael Bendis, Valerio Skidi, and Richard Eisenhoff. A uh, couple fun things in here. First, we are introduced into, I think this is the first time we see him in, in post-Secret Wars, Yotat. Yeah. Yeah, Yotat showing up. He's uh, here. Which is, Watch out for him. What I loved is Valerio Skidi is so good and so amazing, but like the for this big first panel here mm. looks also like Mike Diodato, like, like the... Yotat we saw in right. in the Secret War stuff, which is cool. It's like nice little translation. Yeah, it, it goes from there, and then it's boom, we're off and running. And he's a violent, mean dude. Uh, there's a connection to some secret stuff we saw in the first issue, some some planning and meetings, and yeah. maybe a circle is expanding to include Yotat. All that's going on. And, circle of jerks. Yeah, circle of jerks. And uh, Hala is just destroying everything. Her plan is to literally destroy Spartax while Peter Quill watches. uh, So he knows that, hey, I did this. uh, That she did this to him. Uh, She is beating up the Guardians. She's about to kill the Guardians. But they scoot. They get out of there and they try to regroup. um, And they they say, okay, we need to find Peter Quill. We need to get out of here. Gamora's like, I will fight this woman. I am good enough to fight yeah. her, even though you fighting just fighting is what I do. Gamora like literally just got her mm-hmm. face kicked in, yeah. and she goes to fight her, and predictable results. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's really cool, and it's just like boom, 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 boom on this series. Gwenpool holiday special number one. What a doozy! This one is like the holiday specials of old uh, that we just talked about recently uh, for another project that may or may not come to light um, but it's not going to be seen not going to be seen by you guys but we talked about holiday specials uh, it's a bunch of holiday themed stories crammed between two pages the first the one that's kind of wrapping around the whole thing is She-Hulk written once again by Charles Soule what a delight art by Langdon Foss colors by Megan Wilson She-Hulk is having an office party at her apartment building she's got a gift for Angie Unfortunately, it seems that this apartment building is on the verge of being sold because the owner no longer cares about the good work she's trying to do. She needs money. She's not making any money from the building. But there's more to meets the eye from this. And Jen knows the only way to solve this is to have a huge party. Also, we get a cool connection to the Daredevil series that Charles is writing. We find out there's a connection between a character we met there and a supporting character from She-Hulk. So hopefully that means more crossover down the road. We have little interlude stories in between the main one, including Miss Grinch, starring Miss Marvel, written by Margaret Stoll. 
art by Juan Gideon. I really enjoyed this one. Uh, it was about how Kamala Khan feels out of place around Christmas time because everyone's celebrating Christmas or Hanukkah or doing all this fun stuff and she can't do it. And her family and eventually Captain Marvel kind of give her a talking to about like you're getting way too hung up on what you are and aren't allowed to do and what this means and what that means. And she ends up going to She-Hulk's party with Captain Marvel. Of course, poor Bruno gets a little heartache. This is typical of any Miss Marvel story. Over in the next story, we've got Hawkeye versus Deadpool versus the Holidays. Uh, bringing Jerry Duggan back to the world of Hawkeye versus Deadpool. Danilo Baruch is the artist on this. Colors. Um, we have the start. We have Hawkeye posing as Santa Claus. Deadpool posing as an elf. Basically so they can track down her snatcher. And then Kate Bishop comes. She helps them out. And then they learn more about the first snatcher. He's not just some guy doing bad things. Holiday schmaltz ensues. They try to get in Shield's party. They don't. I'm not going to say why. Um, and then, of course, the titular character of the entire thing, Gwenpool, has Gwenpool's Holiday Adventure, written by Christopher Hastings. Beautiful art by Kuihiro. Um, um, it's Gwenpool's first full solo adventure in the Marvel Universe. She's taken on a sword, a guy, a big monster dude who uses swords. So she looks up online how to use swords. He, he looks know how to. like a cross between the genie from Aladdin mm -hmm. and uh, Galobulus from oh. G.I. Joe the movie. I can get that. I yeah. get behind that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm super into so it. So he's a great villain right yeah. off the bat. Uh, Gwenpool also ends up at the party. And in the end, it's not She-Hulk or Gwenpool or Miss Marvel or Hawkeye or Deadpool or even Patsy Walker who saves the day. It all comes down to Angie per usual and there's a really nice happy ending this was super fun it was just like the giant holiday specials back in the day that we used to love uh, everyone had a good time with it the art was splendiferous a nice array of different styles do you know that strami says splendiferous every time he does his really? section all right like you're you're encroaching on strami territory strami and i are closely aligned we okay are, we are allies um and you know i'm, I'm paying tribute to him <laughs> with my use of it fair enough all right, we've got Hercules, number two, written by Dan Abnett, and uh, art by Luke Ross and Emilio Laiso, with colors by Guru Effects. Uh, so this opens up with, boom, Hercules punching a giant kind of rhinoceros, 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 just a rhinoceros, yeah, uh, creature fun. and a giant, and we get to figure out how he got into that situation. Uh, I love the dynamic between Hercules and his landlady because mm. she's like, stop being you yeah in every way you can be better yeah this uh, was the perfect issue of hercules to read with our reading club this yeah. week too because it really we'll get to it more later but it echoed more than i thought it would yeah it's really great uh you get to see how hercules has adapted to his place in the universe now mm -hmm. his the the times that he's living in more so than ever before he's trying to be better he's trying to uh, be different. He's trying to think differently. Uh, and in light of all that, the way the battle goes is a reflection of all that. Uh, you've got Gilgamesh uh, providing a bunch of really good exposition about Hercules, about yeah. the world, about like these creatures and stuff going on. And that's the thing. There's a lot of stuff going on in Hercules' world. Uh, and it's starting to come uh, 
uh, I, w- I wouldn't say it's getting clearer, but we're getting to see more of it right now. We get introduced to uh, this great character named Tiresias. Oh my gosh. Uh, she's so awesome. Um, That's a real Greek mythology character. Sure. Yep. Let's say it is. I'm telling uh, you it is. Yeah, let's, let's go with that. I have a minor in Greek mythology uh, that, let, I gave, that I gave myself. Let's assume that you're saying the right thing. Sure. Uh, and she's, she's great. you got Hercules being hit on a little bit. You've got all kinds of fun stuff. And he's going to have to face some really nasty creatures, some Kentoros. Ah, yes, the Kentoros. Uh, by the end. Uh, and then, Vile fellows. But then we get this last page, Heartbreaker. Heartbreaker. And so we'll see where we go in issue three. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, Marvel Universe Guardians of the Galaxy number three, adapted from the animated series. This particular one is based on One in a Million You, which was written by Steve Melching and directed by James Yang. It's adapted by our boy, Joe Caramagna. James Patterson's Max Ride, Ultimate Flight number two, written by Jody Hauser, art by R.B. Silva, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. The kids are now in school and they're doing typical high school and junior high and maybe even elementary school stuff. There's crushes, there's dates, there's mischief, there's trips to the principal's office, there's angst because these are super-powered kids who are trying to find their parents, but if they find their parents, that means they'll no longer be together. There's a lot of stuff going on. If you like the books, you will dig the comic. It is really well drawn by R.B. Silva, who I think is tremendously underrated and well-written by Jody Hauser. Yes. All right, we've got Scarlet Witch number one this week by James Robinson, art by Vanessa Del Rey, and colors by Jordi Belair. Uh, and this sort of we're, we're situating Scarlet Witch uh, back into the Marvel Universe in, in a new place, new agenda for her. Uh, one thing I'm unclear of mm. she's living in the Upper East Side yes. of Manhattan. That is a pricey neighborhood. Sure. How is she affording it? She And she has a really nice place. I mean, how is she so rich? Magic? Boom. There it is. Perfect. Got it. Don't need any more explanation. Yep. Uh, Witchcraft. So, so she's magicked her way into this amazing apartment, which I'm really jealous of. Mm. Uh, she's got a sidekick who is the ghost of Agatha Harkness, which Brilliant. is amazing. Uh, as we saw, what was Ag- young Agatha Harkness was in? Um, she was in the, the Uncanny, Uncanny Avengers, Avengers annual, annual recently. Which was also written by James Robinson. Yep. Uh, so it's cool to have Agatha Harkness here. Uh, it's kind of sassy, kind of like, you know, hey. uh, really fun character uh, to bounce off of uh, Wanda Scarlet Witch, who's a little bit more straightforward and a little bit more serious. Uh, we get to see what she's doing. She's basically working out what's going on with magic and witchcraft in the world. And some, you know, like Doctor Strange sees things that no one else sees, but she's dealing with like real life implications of things, uh, almost like a detective herein. And she actually goes to help out with a, a murder case. And she's, she's witchcrafts the crap out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she deals with it. She sees what's going on. Uh, and she does get a sense that there's more at play than she sees at first. Uh, but it's cool. Awesome action. Creepy. I love the mood of this book. Uh, and it's, it's just cool to see Wanda in the spotlight. Yeah. More of that. Very nice. We're going to get a different artist every issue. Oh, yeah? So that's going to be pretty cool. Neat. The penultimate installment of Secret Wars. Yes, it's finally here. Secret Wars number eight, written by Jonathan Hickman. Art by Asad Rabiq, colors by Yves Forcina. In the background of the massive battle going on just outside of Doomstadt, Star-Lord, of all people, gets his moment in this issue. He has to crash land the two Reed Richardses into Doomstadt, and then he needs to sneak under the radar. We get some Hickman writing some great Star-Lord dialogue. You know, 
typical Peter Quill. Uh, we also have the the Wall, who is the giant version of the thing, the Shield, not the Wall, the Shield, <laughs> uh, which is a giant. But he was a Wall. He was a Wall, uh, called the Shield. Uh, it's a giant version of the thing who has a great moment with Maestro right off the bat. Oh yeah. But then ends up fighting a kind of Galactus Human Torch hybrid. Um, controlled by Franklin Richards. It's just like, where is Jonathan coming up with this stuff? It's amazing. Uh, Doom is starting to lose control of the whole situation, and he gets it. He's starting to lose the faith of Valeria and Sue. As the Reeds make their way through the muck, we leave Star-Lord behind, and he's just watching the thing. He ends up fighting Black Swan and having kind of a quip-off. Wait, hold on. Yes. Before you get any further, the actual battle between... Uh the between thing and this Galactus thing, mm-hmm. they're like you got to give super credit to Jonathan uh, and uh, Assad and Eve for the emotion mm-hmm. in those two pages. Like, there's this moment of revelation that Ben has, and it's like, oh man, and like uh, just the, that sequence, especially as someone like I don't know anyone who doesn't love the thing. Right, he's a blood character. Like, th- what? That whole sequence was just big. There are, if you're a Fantastic Four fan, this series and this issue in particular is a must read for you because you've got that moment with Franklin and Ben. You've got a huge moment with Reed and Sue, which I think people have been waiting the whole series for. Um, And then outside of Fantastic Four, you've got, again, Star-Lord fighting Black Swan and um, trying to, you know, it's kind of a nice moment of levity where all this horrible apocalyptic stuff is going on and Star-Lord is still cracking jokes. Yeah. And then we find out that there was another Marvel character who came along on the life raft that Star-Lord brought with him. If you pay close attention, you'll probably be able to figure out who it is, but that's a nice little surprise at the end. Thanos shows up. He unleashed the hordes of Marvel zombies, and now he is there to challenge Doctor Doom. It's a Great, like Doom Thanos standoff with just Thanos being as like you know you are you may be the god of this entire multiverse but you do not impress me I'm Thanos yeah I don't I've back been down. god before I've been god before how does that work out for him we'll see I lost it at that <laughs> moment we'll see and at the end of the issue the two conquering heroes who we need uh, show up eventually to save the day or maybe to die trying. Great issue. So good. All right. Uh, on to Spider-Gwen, number three, written by Jason Latour, art by Robbie Rodriguez and Rico Renzi. Uh, there is so much going on in this dang issue. Uh, we've got Gwen hanging out with Jessica Drew in uh, the uh, the Marvel Universe. So she's you know she's able to dimension hop, and she's here. She's her mentor, essentially, yeah. Spider-Woman. Well, she's proclaimed herself her mentor. Yeah. We never hear Gwen actually acknowledge that. Yeah. It's great, and they're having this really cool talk and, and going over a whole bunch of stuff in the midst of, like, some really heavy stuff because they're right by the George Washington Bridge yeah. where uh, the Marvel Universe Gwen died, and, like, she's, like... There's, like, this existential crisis that Gwen is, is going through. Um, well, that's going on back in the Earth-65... The Gwenverse. The Gwen of Gwenverse. Um, we get to see stuff is really moving along. I love to see... Giant square jawed uh, Ben Grimm. Yeah, yeah, uh, so cool. We get to see like a lot of stuff is moving 
through the police force. Uh, Matt Murdock is making some moves, uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, and the Matt Murdock stuff really is going to be important to uh, Gwen and her family and her life in the next couple of issues. Uh, all that's going on, we get Gwen going back to her universe only to run into someone who we have not seen before. We get to see how they take part We've in seen all the flashback. We haven't seen him in, 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 the, in the present, right? Uh, and what that means, it's uh, I don't think it's going to end it's well not great. for a lot of people, it's but it's, it's another terrific Spider Gwen issue. Spider Man 2099, number four, written by Peter David, art by Will Sliney, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. The focus shifts this issue to Captain America 2099, who you may have seen in Wars 2099. She's still around. She is Miguel O'Hara's assistant's assistant's assistant. I think I got that right. Like third <laughs> tier, they all have assistants. Um, corporate hierarchy, you know? That's how it works. Can I have more assistants? Um, worked at Parker Industries, which is, you know, the dream. But, yeah, we've got the same cool dynamic with Captain America 2099 where her secret identity is not aware that she is actually Captain America. You've got Captain America steering her, trying to investigate Parker Industries, trying to understand why this present is so disaligned with the future. She doesn't even know where she came from. She inadvertently unlocks Miguel's door to the future and unleashes Queeg, who is this crazy machine skull face dude who actually has a tie to the original Spider-Man 2099 series. And she has a great fight with him. We get to see what she can do, her capabilities. Miguel does come into play. He tries to help out and he's a little taken off guard by this new character who then gets unleashed in our present and announcing him up to Spidey and Cap to team up, even though they don't really seem to care for each other too much and go and track this guy down. Yeah. All right, Star Wars time. So we got Star Wars Annual number one, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Angel Unzueta, uh, colors by Paul Mounts. So as the Star Wars Vader down was to Vader as this, like, amazing showcase for why Darth Vader is the coolest thing ever, this Star Wars Annual is the showcase for why the Emperor is so horrifying and incredible yeah. um this is a great issue it was so good it's one of the last things i read and it stuck with me oh my gosh so we get we get introduced to this rebel, rebel spy eneb ray who you guys uh if tucker, were, tucker here, were here yeah if only someone one will let us know if eneb ray uh is someone yeah that's what i know. was wondering i didn't know if this was an existing character or not yeah so but he's a rebel spy he's been working uh under an imperial you know uh guys as the as Therius Demo, uh, sort Great of name. you know a bureaucrat and yeah. uh, on Coruscant and you know doing bad but in ways trying to find the good in it all and trying to to, to do the best he can while being undercover and yeah. basically a total scumbag and repeatedly saying that he is not a hero yeah he's a spy yeah which is difference totally um, so he's doing his thing and he gets a call from Princess Leia who's like hey. Uh, a whole bunch of senators about to be executed. We need you to get them. And he's like, "What? No, that's not gonna happen. Uh, that's not my thing." Yeah. Uh, do we do we have any other agents? And he's trying to he's trying to spy his way into getting more information. And she's like, "You don't know. You can't. I can't tell you more. Need to know. You don't need to know." Yeah. Uh, and he's basically he's gotten thrust into this mission, which will blow his cover, which will change everything for him. So he goes to a special place to get these uh, these senators who are like 
goes to a special place. Yeah, his special place. Yeah. Uh, to get, um, it is called Arth Eno, the prison complex mm-hmm. on Coruscant. Special place. How much fun do you think Kieran had just coming up with? These oh games? my god, I or. Discovering he, them through like, intensive research. Hey, so we need this prison complex. Great, we have 17 on Coruscant. Yeah. Here are the official names. Which one do you like the name of? Yeah. Uh, so we've got, you know, him, uh, we've got Enabray doing, Enabray, right? Uh, yeah. Doing his spy stuff, infiltrating the prison complex, going to free these slaves, just being really awesome. This dude is super cool. He's like, as fans of the uh, like expanding universe stuff throughout the years, he's got that charm of the characters who were in like Shadows of the Empire or the Jedi Knight games, stuff like that. He's, he's kind of charming and super cool, and you want to learn more about him, uh, which is credit to Kieran for, you know, in such a short time, making you really dig this character. Uh, and he finds the senators, and, but finds out the Emperor is coming there to, to be a part of this execution in person. So he's like, crap. Crap, crap. Do I save these people, get out of here, or take the shot? Yeah. You know? Uh, If you're a Hamilton fan, you know, he's not going to give up, uh, not going to waste his shot. So he does his thing. Ben has no idea. I do know what you're talking about. I saw the trailer for it. There's a trailer? Uh, My wife really wants to go see it. Buy tickets for six months in advance. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, we get uh, Enabray being like, okay, uh, I've got a plan. I'm going to take this shot against the Emperor. And Leia's like, I don't know. He's like, I'm going to do it. If you got any other people around here, it would be great that, to have some backup. That sure would be great. Super cool. And then, so we get this really cool shot of the Emperor sitting on his throne and being like, good to see you again. Yeah. Uh, step closer. Uh, you know, and so really fun stuff. And then, boom, uh, Enabray unleashes chaos in this whole thing. Uh, the Emperor's personal guard should be much much more uh, proficient in yeah. stopping these assassins. Isn't that kind of the thing with most of the shock troops in Star Wars? You'd think. Yeah. Um, so you, you think, okay, boom, uh, Emperor is is running, he's, he's going to escape, and it goes after him. Uh, there's this great moment. Boom, there is death. And it's like, you think, holy crap, he did it. Yeah, no. The floor what a just twist. gets pulled right out from under Enna, the readers, the, M, the, the rebels, this whole thing, and it's fantastic. It's sadistic hmm. and wonderful, and I loved it so much. And, uh, yeah, it's one of those things that will make you love the villain. Yeah, it was a, it was a great story. It was a great one-off. It was just a testament to those guys. Yeah, and uh, if you have not been reading the Star Wars books, your local retailer this week should have this uh, Star Wars movie sampler, which is free. It's got uh, previews of a whole bunch of Star Wars comics. Uh, I think pretty much everything we've done. It's, it's got Star Wars. It's got Leia, Vader. It's got Leia. Vader, yeah. I mean, it's uh, Kanan, mm-hmm. uh, Force Awakens, um, Journey to Star Wars, Force Awakens, Shadowed Empire, Star, Star, Wars, Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Yeah, all the goodness, and it's uh, it's free. If you have read these, pick up one because it's free. Yeah. Give it to give a it friend. to someone else. Give it to a friend. Yeah. Underneath this beautiful Kenneth Rockefort cover for Ultimates Number 2 is the rest of Ultimates Number 2, written by Al Ewing, art 
Amazing art by Kenneth Rockefort. I'm so glad he's back at Marvel. Colors what, by Dan Brown. What is going... He is next level. Yeah. It's like he was here for a while, back yep. in the day, did some cool work. Disappeared. Went away. Who knows what happened. Yep. Perfected his craft. Came back good. like a boss. Yeah, he just depicts the hell out of this. And the colors are great, too, so credit to Dan Brown. Uh, it's framed as Black Panther talking to Galactus. We relive the origin of Galactus. We see his current status quo. Black Panther presents before him, look, we're the Ultimates, and our mission is to change you, to solve you, to, you know, you're a problem for the universe, and we don't want to kill you, but we want to take this out of play. And Glide is just like, what a, you guys are so beneath me. can't believe I'm even wasting time talking to you. Galactus, Al Ewing does a nice job hitting up on his characterization. While Black Panther's trying to buy time, Spectrum and Miss America are trying to locate a device that may be able to solve this Galactus problem. And the Ultimates actually have to fight Galactus, which is nuts. And they do manage to do something that changes the status quo for Galactus and in the process changes the status quo for the entire Marvel Universe. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, all right, last book of the week is Uncanny Avengers number three, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Ryan Stegman, colors by Richard Eisenhoff. Uh, so basically, Cable is Doc Brown having come back yeah. from the future uh, here to save the day. He's not bossy Doc Brown. He's, what's that? Bossy Doc Brown. Super bossy Doc Brown. Uh, but he has seen the future and it's all messed up. Mm -hmm. Everybody's dead except for some humans. Uh, so that poses a big problem to him. He comes back. He's got to figure out what he can do to change that future. All that's going on, but you still have the Uncanny Avengers fighting these crazy plant creature things. Uh, also, Quicksilver was dead. Yep. Not dead within the first couple pages. He's so back. Breathe, breathe. Easy. Relax, Quicksilver fans. Yeah. Uh, and you've got this crazy running around, awesome art by Stegman, fun stuff from Jerry Duggan. Uh, you get to get a, a lot more information about what, why this is all going on, how this is going on, and how it affects everything, and, and how it affects all the different people in the book, and then big revelations by the end for the, the new character in the book, who, uh, her and her family. Yeah, Synapse. Synapse. Cool yeah. character. Alright, Tomb of the Week. Um, I really like that Star Wars annual. Um, but I won't pick it. I'll let you pick it. Um, I like Star Wars a lot. Oh, yeah. It's really doing nicely. Deadpool, I thought, was fun uh, in a Deadpool kind of way. I'm going to go with Gwenpool Special Number 1, though. Packed a lot of good story and art into one package. That's a good one. Yeah, I would have gone with um, Secret Wars. I really want it, but I know 9 is going to have to be the best. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to go with Star Wars Anime. Good. It was really, really good. So, two... The cool thing for you guys as readers is those are two self-contained stories that you can go and read. Gwenpool Special, Star Wars Annual, both you don't need to know anything going in, and hopefully they'll turn you on to a lot of different cool books. Also out this week in collections, we have Black Panther by Christopher Priest, The Complete Collection Volume 2, Hawkeye Volume 2 in hardcover, Infinity Gauntlet War Zones, Runaways Battle World, and Squadron Sinister. Digital comics on sale, everything we mentioned, minus maybe the Marvel Universe title, uh, but added Marvel Universe Guardians of the Galaxy Infinite comic number three, so maybe we do have the Marvel Universe title. You know, it's, it's something. Uh, also on sale on the Marvel app this week, tons of stuff. Fantastic Four 218, the free comic book day Star Wars issue, 
Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 42. Uh, Sergio Aragonis Stomps Star Wars, number one, which I got to Oh, read. man, that sounds number. great. Um, Star Wars Handbook, numbers one, two, and three, which cover X-Wing Rogue Squadron, Crimson Empire, and Dark Empire. Star Wars Infinities, A New Hope, uh, one through four. Star Wars Infinities, Return of the Jedi. And Star Wars Infinities, The Empire Strikes Back. So, Ben, mm. I don't know if you're familiar with the Infinities. They're what-ifs, they're, right? They're, so, yeah, yeah. what-ifs. And I really want to reread those. I remember yeah. reading them a while back. We should, we should do that for a reading club, maybe, in the near future. Yeah. Uh, I will browse and see, because yeah. uh, I have another selection, but, you know, Star Wars only comes once every year now. Yeah. Like Christmas <laughs> and the holidays. And clockwork. Yep. Uh, anyway, so we've got more Star Wars. Star Wars Tales 1 through 24, which I love those as well, mm. anthology books. Star Wars A New Hope Special Edition. Uh, Star Wars A Valentine Story. Oh, just I in time. I had that comic, that single issue. Makes sense. Star Wars Chewbacca 1 through 4. Star Wars Episode 1, Anakin Skywalker. Star Wars, oh my gosh, so much Episode 1 stuff. Uh, real talk. Which you just watched. I just watched it last night. How's it, it hold up? It was difficult for me. Oh, wow. Now, anyway, the comics, I'm sure, are, are awesome. Yeah. Episode 1, Anakin Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Queen Amidala, Qui-Gon Jinn, and The Phantom Menace, point five to 4, so a whole bunch of Episode 1 stuff. As well as Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, 1 through 4. Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, 1 through 4. There's also Return of the Jedi, 1 through 4. Then The Age of the Century, Ooh, 1 through 6. Now, nice. Marvel and, uh, X-Force, 1 through 6 from the 2004 run. As well as X-Men Origin, Jean Grey, number 1. Uh, X-Men Origins, Beast, Cyclops, Emma Frost, Gambit, Iceman, Nightcrawler, and Sabretooth. Uh, X-Men Curse of the Mutants Blade, as well as Smoke and Blood. Storm and Gambit, and X-Men vs. Vampire 1-2, and finally, X-Men Worlds Apart 1-4. Digital collections on sale this week, we've got Atlas, Return of the Three-Dimensional Man, Avengers Masterworks Volume 9, Black Panther by Christopher Priest, The Complete Collection Volume 2, Infinity Gauntlet War Zones, Runaways Battle World, Spider-Man Fantastic Four, Squadron Sinister, Thor Gods on Earth, X-Men First Class, Tomorrow's Brightest, and X-Men Wedding of Cyclops and Phoenix. Over on Marvel Unlimited, freshly digitized, we have all new Hawkeye number four, all new X-Men number 41, Amazing Spider-Man number 18.1, Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows number one, Armor Wars number one, Batrock number one, Darth Vader number six, Future Imperfect number one, Giant Size Little Marvel AVX number one, Groot number one, Guardians Team Up number six, Master of Kung Fu number two, New Mutants Annual number six, New Universal 1959 number one, New Universal Conqueror number one, New Universal Shockfront one and two, Princess Leia number four, Secret Wars number three, Secret Wars Battle World number two, Spider Woman number eight, Star Wars number six, Superior Iron Man number nine, Tomb of Dracula number 32, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number six, Wolverines number 20, X-Men Quitting Time number one, Extinction Agenda number one, Years of Future Past number one is a lot of that Secret Wars stuff oh is starting God, to roll in. Is so much, you know? Yes. Uh, news. News time. Let's hear that music. And now, from Marvel Headquarters, it's This Week in Marvel News. Okay, time for some news. Let's start with comics and let's start with Avengers Standoff, the big Captain America 75th anniversary event that is happening beginning in March of next year. 
it's going to feature every Avengers title. It's going to feature Captain America. It's going to feature Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D. And we debuted all of the March covers and solicits this week on Marvel.com. So to get a sense of what that event's about, head over there. Speaking of Marvel.com, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. we talked about a lot this week. Uh, Not the TV show. I mean, we did talk about the TV show a lot, and we will talk about the TV show a lot. And Mark and Patrick will talk about the TV show a lot. But we also talked about the comic, which is going to be coming out in January. We had a great sketchbook from Herman Peralta, and we also had a nice interview with Mark Guggenheim. We announced that The Haunted Mansion by Joshua Williamson and Jorge Coelho Coelho, is going to be the next Disney Kingdoms feature, and we've got a ton more on that still to come. And of course, the big one, we officially confirmed Civil War II is going to be our 2016 Mamma Jamma Monster event. It's going to be written by Brian Michael Bendis. Art is going to be by David Marquez, so it's the Invincible Iron Man team. Justin Ponsor will be along with them as well on colors. And that's about all we can say about it. Uh, (laughs) We'll be able to say more soon. It's pretty exciting. In games, LEGO Marvel's Avengers released a new open world trailer, so you can see all the different stages you can play in. Avengers Academy, we're keeping the countdown going for Marvel Avengers Academy, revealed new playable characters, including Captain America, Iron Man, Hulk, Thor, and Miss Marvel. Some cool stuff for Contest of Champions. Uh, Clark Gregg actually played the game and came up with his own team of champions, and you can now go into Marvel Contest of Champions and challenge Clark Gregg's team of champions, as well as his team of his bosses, and we spoke to him about how he came up with his team. It's pretty neat. Pretty um, neat. I don't think I got anything else. I feel mm. like I do. It's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, but you know what? Let's just uh, let's toss it over to Mark and Patrick. We'll be back after that with an interview with Sam Humphreys and then Unlimited Reading Club. It's the West Coast, show me of the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me of the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me of the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, Hello baby. there this week in Marvelites. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom, joined by... Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. For another thrilling installment of the Strommy and the Wolfman show, starring the Wolfman and Strommy. Kicking things off, this week we had the winter finale to Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's right. No new episodes until March 8th next year, but we ended... Uh, well, not really ended this. We ended this half of the season on some huge notes. I'm really not going to say anything because everything that happened is a massive, massive spoiler. Uh, so if you haven't seen it yet, uh, be sure and watch it right now before some massive, massive things are spoiled for you. <laughs> um, and if you have watched it, by the time you're listening to this, my podcast with executive producer and the writer of the winter finale, Jeffrey Bell, will be live. So we chat about a bunch of stuff. We chat about all the events. Dostoevsky gets name-dropped. Adventure Time gets name-dropped. Um, it's a good podcast. You should go check it out. And also, once you watch that uh, mid-season finale, you'll understand why people have been using the hashtag R.I.P. Agent Coulson. That, wow. wow. Was I not supposed to say uh, that? Yeah, okay, well... But right, you'll notice right, that right. I said Agent Coulson, not Director Coulson. Yeah. So not only do they reveal his child as an agent, but also... Well, well also technically he's only Agent Coulson right now because Matt Mack is oh, acting director. That's right, I was, I was right in the first place. Yeah, maybe if you had watched last week's episode. Have you watched last week's episode yet, 
Patrick? Yeah, of course. All right, so you, you haven't yet. We, we learned that Ward is an agent of Hydra. Yes, I watched last week's episode. Great, okay, well, phew, you were It was right. a tie-in to the, that uh, winter, winter milita- military guy Okay, movie. wow, all right. Well, anyway, in other TV news, we announced that uh, Scott Buck will be the executive producer and showrunner to Marvel's Iron Fist, the Netflix original series. Uh, Scott Buck, he was the executive producer and showrunner on a number of seasons of Dexter. He was a producer on Six Feet Under. Uh, He's got quite a few other credits to his name. Uh, But I'm very excited to see what he has in store for us with Danny Rand and Iron Fist. I'm pretty disappointed that you started this episode by saying... We're going to kick things off with, and then did not talk about the character who kicks a lot. Well, really, he punches a lot more because it's Iron Fist, not Iron Foot. Let's not get into how often he punches versus he kicks. Well, I mean, but the punch is a signature thing, not the kick. I mean, I get what you're saying. You get what I'm saying. I get what you're saying, but, like, it'd be more in line if, like, we're talking about Shang-Chi or something. So what you're saying is to make the connection between Iron Fist and kicking, you'd have to be a complete idiot. And kicking is so far removed from Marvel's Iron Fist that only a a ding-dong would draw that connection. Well, you did draw that connection. That's what you're saying. I just want to so, confirm that the connection so I'm just, between I'm just Marvel's out, Iron I'm Fist just out that and kicking. Between the two of us, it was you that made that connection, not me. So I will just let the audience decide what that means for themselves. Fair enough. Don't, don't you have to, like, yaw here to go to Hyperspace Mountain or something? Why, why are you delaying us? Uh, I can make it down there in less than 12 parsecs. Oh, 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 what you got? Get it? Yeah. So, uh, what day is today? Tuesday? Well, as we record, but Thursday is there listening. Anyways, whatever day it is, it doesn't matter. You can own Marvel's Ant-Man on 3D Blu-ray, Blu-ray, DVD, digital HD, digital 3D, digital SD, and it's available on VOD. You can't really own it through VOD, though. But go out to the store, buy it, sit at home, buy it, buy it however you'd like, and enjoy Marvel's next big thing, which is funny because he's actually small. So we've been posting concept art from real long time ago. There's even some of the concept art we've posted go back to the early, 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 early stages. I think I saw some from like 2011 when there was just a nugget of an idea of potentially doing an Ant-Man movie. So that's cool. We also have some clips. We've been posting a whole bunch of clips about Ant-Man featuring a variety of subjects. Some of them focus on Paul Rudd's physique, which is great. Why would you not want to check that out? Some focus on bloopers and behind-the-scenes stuff. So check those out. And you know what this means now that Marvel's Ant-Man is available on Blu-ray? Does it mean that the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 2 box set is also available? That's correct. All the films from Phase 2 are what included. What films are in Phase 2? Uh, you got Iron Man Iron, 3. Iron Guy. You got, you got Captain America Winter Blondie. Militant. You got, you got uh, Blond- the... Blondie is in Phase the, 2? Yeah. I, I missed Blondie. Blondie. Yeah. Girls. Just wanna have fun. No, Cindy Lauper. That was Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper, not Blondie. 
Anyways, uh, yeah, you got your Iron Guy, you got your America Man, you got uh, goofballs of the galaxy, the the goof the goobers of the galaxy, goobers of the galaxy. No, you have Iron Man three. You have Thor: The Dark World. You have Captain America: The Winter Soldier. You have Guardians of the Galaxy. You have Marvel's Avengers: Age of Ultron, and you have Marvel's Ant Man. Correct. Six films. Yep, six films. Yeah, and that's all of them. And what, what is the uh, packaging? Because last oh. time it was the suitcase from Avengers. This, time, this time it is the orb from Guardians of the Galaxy that Peter Quill is in search of. With, and with an Infinity Stone. With an Infinity Stone and like a little LED light inside it so the thing lights up. You get all of those movies with a uh, 3D Blu-ray, a Blu-ray, and a digital download for all of those movies, as well as hours and hours of behind-the-scenes features. That, it, that are exclusive to this set. Exactly. Today. We've been teasing the, some of them along the way. These are not available. There are on many every features set. that are not available. And there's collectibles. You, there's tons of just random collectibles in addition to oh, yes. the display true. case. Yep. There's, like, you can get uh, Adam Pally's tattoo from iron man three there's a copy of the sokovia accords yeah all sorts of really cool stuff in there pick that up you can only get it through amazon Amazon amazon.gov i think is their website amazon.com don't send people to the wrong amazon Amazon amazon.com you google amazon.com you ask jeeves well, first, However, first you go www.google.com. All right, first and then you type you in sign on. that. First you Amazon.com. First you fire up your AOL free trial 500 like, free hours disc. Yeah. So do it. That noise. And that's not all. We've included. Uh, this is a good segue. Included in all all those special features. There's um, a couple features called from here to infinity which talk about Phase 3 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. These are some of your first tastes at uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 3. There's a, a Doctor Strange featurette featuring director Scott Derrickson and producer Kevin Feige. And you'll see the stars and filmmakers behind Marvel's Captain America Civil War. Uh, you'll learn why Civil War is like the most natural next step for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we posted some pictures from Marvel's Civil Marvel Civil War. No, Marvel's Captain America Civil War earlier this week as well. I, I when you said this is a good segue, I had to look up because I I'm like, whoa, Patrick's writing a segue while he's recording this, and then I looked up and you're saying in the chair, and I was really confused. So why did you say it's a good segue? S e g u e. Yes, that's how you spell segue. Yeah. This is making for some great radio. <laughs> All right, everyone. <laughs> uh oh. It's the end of the day, and we lost it. We we made it oh, a full like can nine minutes. Nine, nine minutes, minutes. Nine minutes. We made it nine minutes before he snapped. Oh boy. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you again seven more days. I wish you a splendid first weekend, splendid first short weekend. As always, I apologize for the Wolfman. And now welcome to This Week in Marvel, our very special guest! Here we go, time for some talking that we're gonna do. That's sweet, man. Did, uh, did, wow. uh, I didn't know it was gonna be a podcast with uh, Frank Sinatra over here. You know, yeah. 
We gotta keep up the music game now that we have music for all the segments. That's that's what we do for this segment. Oh, I see. I got it. I got it. Okay, I'm ready. Oh my God, who's that mysterious third voice, Ryan? Oh, it's, I, I it's don't the know. velvet tones of Adele. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I see her name and I'm like, do I say Adelaide? Because I don't listen to her, and I'm like, is it's Adele, right? But then I question myself. So now I'm just gonna call her Adelaide. Adelaide. When you, yeah. when you said I see her name, I thought you literally saw it on your screen, like you thought Adele was on the podcast with us, <laughs> like you had been fooled, you had been snookered. I, I convinced him this really is Adele. No, those are the dulcet tones of uh, Slam and Sammy Humphreys, Yo. one of the best and brightest here at Marvel, one of our faves. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's bright and early out on the left coast, huh? It is not that not too bright and early. It's it's almost nine thirty. We were talking before we started recording about how you have a cat that wakes you up now. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, champion cat. His name is El Nino. Yeah. Uh, he is a predator. He is a hunter, but he's a sweetie at heart. Much like his owner. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to humanize you for the listeners. <laughs> oh, good. I, <laughs> I am a faceless robot to many, so it's about time. Exactly. Well, you literally were when you back when you did Avengers AI. That's, uh, that's right. Yep. That was your gimmick. That was uh, that was my thing that uh, yeah. wowed all of comicsdom. Yeah. Was that, no, how, I'll, how I'll, fun I'll was that? Make sure that I get up to feed him, and then even if he has food, if I go back into bed, he will make sure I still get out of bed. No. And Ryan, who has nine cats, knows as well. He's a stickler for rules, yeah. yeah. I, I think we determined that Ryan has enough cats to field an entire playoff cycle of the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal, right? Like, that's what every cat <laughs> owner is looking for. It's like, okay, yeah. how do I get into sports and championship sports with my furry friends? That's right. Yeah. I mean, when that's going to be YouTube gold when you get those little jerseys made up. Like, Oh, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a good idea. When it's when it's cold out, Ryan doesn't actually use blankets. He just goes to me, and they all just cover him. Oh, I I am. There's a cat on my chest, a cat to the right of me, a cat on my legs. It's great. He just sprinkles a little tuna fish around, and uh, <laughs> then then he's warm. You know, we just mentioned a second ago, but Sam, how much how much fun was it to write the Avengers AI letters pages? Was that was that a blast? Oh, it was great, especially because like. Um, I don't know. Sometimes, like, I, I look at letters pages and they just seem, like, so rote, like, kind of, like, paint-by-numbers, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they they asked if I wanted to do it, um, and I didn't. But then I was, like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what if... I mean, everything about the book was so different. You know, we really, like, <clears throat> from the, the covers to Andre's art to the design by Dylan Todd, and I was like, it would really kind of be a disservice if we didn't... Um, extend that to the letters page and uh you know one of the most fun characters for me to write was demetrius who was the the bad guy the evil alien intelli- or artificial intelligence who wanted to take over all of earth and i thought wouldn't it be great if we had a letters column that really just belittled and degraded everyone who wrote into us that's such a uh that's such a comic book writer thing to say so, yeah so that's what we did and uh i can't believe it but we we're canceled at 12 <laughs> dude you so wait can you do something similar for uh weird world can you have like you know a, a rock troll answering the letters or something uh you know maybe go Gal- actually galeta would be a great voice for the letters column to be honest 
right. and she she would be like very 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 brash and fun to read uh but also she she would have a bit of heart to her she wouldn't um promise to crush every human meat sack on uh planet earth like Demetrius right. did yeah yeah they definitely should just collect those letter pages in a in a collection volume 0 I agree. Now that we're doing volume zeros. I, I, I would love to get a royalty check for three cents every financial quarter for that book. That's the American dream. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Weird World. We already yes. started talking about it. Um, yeah. This is awesome. It's going to be such a crazy series. I feel like this is right up your alley. How yes. did you become the steward of Weird World, which you will be as we move into the new year? Yes, the the steward of Weird World. Um, actually, before the it's coming out in December, so before the New Year. What? Yeah, I know. I you were not till at, January. You were looking at the Weird World lunar calendars. What was what was happening? <laughs> <laughs> no, it comes out uh, middle of December, I believe. And uh, this, well, it was. Um, you know, we had the Weird World limited series in Secret Wars by uh, none other than the the maestro Jason Aaron. And uh, Madman Mike Del Mundo on art, um, and that was a fantastic series. I remember, like so long ago at this point, talking about some of the Star uh, Secret Wars spinoffs that we were going to do. What uh, you know, some of the ideas that people were throwing around, and, and when Tom Brevoort and Jason were talking about Weird World, I was like, God, that's so brilliant, and it sounds like so much fun. But Jason was already over it, so I quickly pushed out of my mind. But then, uh, you know, months later, in kind of conversation with Tom, he was like, "Look, the the, uh, the the Weird World book did great for us, and we think there's a lot of potential there. And do you do you want to do an ongoing? Jason's not going to be available for it because he's writing this dumb little book that we don't care about called Star Wars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> are you interested in writing this this book where literally anything can happen?" And I said, "Of course, I would love to." Um, and then, that's really how it came about, just a conversation. Yeah. That to me is like the most, the coolest and yet at the same time most daunting thing about a book called Weird World or one that's set here is you can literally do anything, but then I guess the challenge is you can literally do anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, we, I, I like to say anything can happen, but Weird World actually does have a really cool and very specific mandate, which is like it's where... It, first of all, it takes place in the Marvel Universe, and it takes place right. on Earth, just like Spider-Man's Manhattan or the Savage Land. Uh, it's just this, this bubble of Earth. It's, it's like a magical bubble um, where all the sword and sorcery stuff of the Marvel Universe can take place. Um, but because so many of the Marvel fantasy stuff was done in like the late 60s and 70s, like they all kind of picked up that like Planet of the Apes sci-fi vibe, you know, where you have like, you know, dogs fighting World War II planes and like that kind of stuff. Um, so it it's it's a fantasy. It, it's the fantasy that any fan of like Lord of the Rings would recognize, but it's really filtered through some of those Gonzo visions of um, the seventies and, and the sixties. So there there is a, there is a vibe there, and uh, we are bringing it fully into. Uh, 2015 for everyone uh and and really anything can happen but it is fun it is a fun challenge to surprise but i'll always make it feel like weird world is one world it, it's it's one place that you can you can be in and exist in and put your feet in the mud 
that's an interesting point when you're talking about the fact that, you know, this is kind of the, the gathered assemblage of all that late 70s or 60s sci-fi stuff from Marvel. How much old stuff are you using versus how much stuff are you creating from scratch? Well, I would say it's like a strong 50-50. You know, really? Jason's, yeah, I mean, may, actually, I'm going to say like Mamelor, like 60-40, 60 original, 40 yeah. new. Um, and Jason and Mike did such a good job of creating like a lay of the land for Weird World, and they brought in so many old Marvel properties like all at once. Um, you know, you've got Chris Starr, you've got Archon, you've got Morgan Le Fay, um, and they, they did such a great job. I mean, that, that was like a, that book was like a tour of Weird World, you know, um, mm-hmm. and was such a great story about Archon trying to find his, his homeland. Uh, and so this, this time, you know, they, they did so much of that heavy lifting that this time we really wanted to inhabit it and live in it through the characters. So we have, uh, three brand new characters who are lead characters, but they, um, you know, the, our main bad guy is Morgan Le Fay, and they encounter uh, Chris Star, and they encounter the Man-Thing army, and Jennifer Kale, the Swamp Queen, and all that kind of stuff. It's like a story that takes place against the backdrop of all those old Marvel properties. Cool. Is it a different kind of thing when you're writing a book where, like, right there in the title, it's not called Weird World featuring Archon or something like that. It's right. called mm-hmm. Weird World. It's, it's, yeah. it's a book about a whole world, and, and potentially you could switch the protagonists. You could, like, the only thing that really stays the same is the setting. How is that different from other books you've worked on? Well, it's very different. Um, you know, there's, you know, in Star-Lord, like, pretty much every issue's got to have Star-Lord in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we've, we've cheated here and there, and there are fun ways to, like, get around that and surprise people. But, you know, solo character books and, and even team books in the Marvel Universe, like, they really do have a mandate where you, you feature a certain character or a certain status quo. And this, you're right, this is a world. It's like a, it's like a solo book for an entire world. Um, but fortunately, there are a lot of... Um, there, there, there are a lot of examples that we can pull upon that come from outside of comics where it's stories about you know, ordinary people uh, exploring extraordinary worlds under extraordinary circumstances, uh, and through that, finding extraordinary things within themselves. I mean, there's, like, uh, Spirited Away by Miyazaki. There's uh, Labyrinth by Jim Henson. There's uh, Alice in Wonderland. There's Wizard of Oz. Um, you know, these kind of stories are, I mean, pretty right. much as, as, as old. I mean, you could go way back to the beginning of storytelling and find stories like this. So it... It, while it's a little bit different format-wise for a Marvel comic, like there is such a rich history of these kind of stories to draw upon, um, and that's where I hit upon the idea of having um, a regular teenage Earth girl named Becca who literally crash lands into Weird World and has to to find a way home. Um, and I just thought like that's such a great strong story through which we can crash land through all sorts of crazy random stuff that Weird World has to offer. Yeah, so you're going to be, you know, following Becca's quest and new adventures and stuff like that. How much of a chance are you going to have to get into kind of the mythology of Weird World and explore maybe stuff that happened in the past? Because to me, it seems like, you know, if, if you're encountering all these different characters and races and places and all this cool stuff, there's definitely some potential to say, like, all right, well, how did this all come to be? Absolutely, and that was one of the things that, like, I immediately my brain started wrapping around as soon as Tom mentioned the book, is that, 
here here's a world where anything can happen here's a world where there's all these like disparate kingdoms you know you have like the 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 man thing army and you have the lava men you have like all this different stuff like how did this world come to pass like how is this how is this here even within like the logic of the marvel universe where you know a guy can get bit by a radioactive spider and not die of cancer a couple of months later like how how even within that context how does weird world exist um and then what became even more fascinating to me was not just how did it really happen but how do people within weird world believe that it happened hmm. how do all these different worlds and these different tribes and these different kingdoms and these different warring factions how did they what what do they think is the origin of weird world how do they think all of this came to pass and do they believe it enough to wage war against each other yeah. Um, and fortunately for readers of the book, the answer is yes. <laughs> so we have, we have our main character, Becca, and we have her, uh, companion, Galena, the wizard slayer, and we have cat beasts and the three of them are, are, have their, their missions kind of wizard of Oz style, uh, and Becca's mission is to get home and, uh, cat beasts, uh, mission, I'm, I'm going to have to remain secret for now. And Galena's mission is to kill as many wizards as possible along the way. Yes. But, uh, they, they do so against this backdrop of a giant war that's being fought between Jennifer Kale, the Swamp Queen, and her Man-Thing army, and Morgan Le Fay and her Lava Man army. Nice. Now, I don't know if you can say this or not, but you've mentioned a lot of characters from the limited series showing up in the ongoing series. Are we going to see Archon? Does he still have a role to play? Yes. Archon we see right on page two and three of nice. the... Yeah. Uh, I, if you haven't read the miniseries yet and you're planning to, which you absolutely should, just kind of like tune out for a second, blah, 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 blah. The last page of the limited series shows a regular Earth uh, passenger plane crashing into Weird World. And that is where we pick up the be the first issue of the Oh, Uncle. okay. Becca is on that plane. Yeah. Exactly. Like I saw that in Jason Aaron's outline. I was like, well, that's perfect. Now I don't even have to explain how my character got here. Jason Aaron yeah. did that for me. He really did a lot of the work for you. He really did. I'm just coasting on his fumes over here, you know. You are the smartest writer in the history of comics. I like to say he's doing all the all the, the dirty work for me. Yeah. So, you so, get, so I get so, the so back clean up. He, yeah, he's he's cleaning up the stage so I can get out there and really show everybody what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of the limited series, kind of a cool thing, kind of a cool consistency thing is that Mike Del Mundo, who did the art yeah. on the limited series, is coming with you oh, on yeah. the ongoing series. Do you yeah. find yourself leaning on him sometimes to be like, hey, man, like, how did you and Jason do this? Or is it really him just imagine, him saying, you know what, I want a new blank canvas to work on? Well, I mean, I lean on him a lot, but not so much in terms of, like, what happened in the limited series uh, as much as, like, dude, you're a maniac. Your art is incredible. Uh, <laughs> what do you what what do you want to draw? Like, what do you feel like knocking out of the park today kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, Mike's art is, like, super beautiful and very intense and has a lot of depth, and it's, like, got this, like, manic imaginative quality to it but Absolutely. when we talk on the phone he's like the chillest human being alive like we get on the phone and like talk about Wu-Tang for 15 minutes and we're like oh maybe we should talk we should talk about the comic book but uh well that should make its way into the book I I know if 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 only Marvel Legal would let that happen but maybe we'll figure out some way yeah we'll um talk. we uh but no I mean Mike's Mike's got a crazy imagination so we just hop on the phone and like discuss all sorts of stuff and throw out 
all sorts of things, and I take like crazy notes, and then I craft it into the scripts of the series. Um, you know, because this is a world where anything can happen, and Mike pushes my imagination, and I I push his imagination, and, and back and forth, we've created this like crazy kind of like microcosm universe of sword and sorcery and bizarre sci-fi and all sorts of stuff put all together. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I. I do lean on them quite a, quite a bit, and I, I love opportunities to really collaborate in depth with artists like this. And uh, Mike Mike has not disappointed, and I'm just so glad, so glad that he loved the miniseries enough that he wanted to come back for more. What is your favorite thing that he has drawn so far? Oh man, that's tough to say. I mean, that double page spread from the first issue that that previews out there. Mm-hmm of the plane and like all the, I guess they're demons. Like they're just monsters. Uh, just like, I don't know. You wrote it. Hacking the plane. I mean, that, that's a great example of like with Mike, like <laughs> I don't have to get like super specific. Uh, you know, I could just be like demon and he like makes something nice. that I'll have nightmares about for the rest of my life. You know, that's pretty cool. As the writer <laughs> of the book, getting to read it and be like, uh, what is yeah, this? Exactly. <laughs> I'm freaking myself out over here. Um, yeah. He, uh, no, I mean, he's, he's so good like that. that. That splash page is great, but really, I think the, the, my favorite thing has been the character designs because, uh, in Becca and Galeta and Cat Beast, like, I, I, I put a lot of heart into those characters, and, right. uh, they, they all have, like, super personal, emotional stories that they're gonna go through as they go through the crazy world of Weird World. Um, and, you know, so I, I really wanted these characters to shine, and I really wanted them to feel real and feel personal. And Mike made them look so good and has really taken them to the next level and forced me to take their characters to the next level. So I, I think the way he, he designed the three of those and, and really made them came alive and is going to make them come alive in the, in the minds of all the readers has been my favorite thing that he's done. Nice. And I'm very excited for Weird World. I think it's going to be crazy fun. It's going to be different than anything else out there. Yeah, it, it it really is going to be like one of the most unique comics Marvel has ever published, except for of yeah. course Marvel or Weird World, the uh, limited series, which was also very unique. Which was yeah, pretty 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 good book to follow. Pretty good, yeah. But something I'm enjoying already, Star Lord. Yes, the new Star Lord book. Yes. Um, one issue in so far, as we have this conversation, by the time this comes out, there may be another issue on the stands, yes. um, depending on when we drop it, That's but. Right. It's Star-Lord year one. It's right. the going formative back. year. It's the formative uh, days of Peter Quill going back. How, mm-hmm. did you co- how did you come up with this idea? How did you, how did you arrive at the, this would be a cool thing? And this not only a cool thing, I feel like it's really a necessary thing. This is something we needed to see. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's a, I, it's a story that I've had in my mind and in my notes um, since my very first conversations about taking over Star-Lord a while ago. Um, I guess a couple of years ago at this point. God, time flies. Oh, wow, yeah. But uh, uh, the book came out like a year and a half ago, so it was at least two years ago, maybe changed when we first started talking about it. Uh, Just because, uh, you know, he's got such a great origin story that hasn't really been explored in full. Um, You know, Peter's first, like, ten appearances in comics, like, are in these scattered issues. You know, he never really had a solo, uh, solo book and... Um, I think those 10 issues there were like eight different writers or something. So it was very fragmented, very scattered. And I felt like right. there was a great story there. Um, 
with a lot of of character and, and a lot of excitement just about an 18 year old who's like a bit of a jackass going into space for the first time <laughs> and this, this this guy who like wants to go to space so bad but is in no way like astronaut material as we know it you know he's like mm -hmm. not a square he doesn't follow the rules he's not good at obeying orders so he's not gonna make it through like the NASA ranks in the real or the Marvel universe and uh so it was like well how how would a, a guy like that finally get to space? Um, and once I like started thinking about that, then I knew that we were off to the races. So it, it's his. Uh, it's it's the story about how Peter Quill became Star Lord. It's his first year in space. It's uh, Peter uh, and pirates and lasers and treasure and space adventures and all that. And the I've been, I've been calling it almost famous in space. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Big fan of Almost Famous. We had uh, we had the Great. kid from Almost Famous on our live show at New York, and Patrick it was, it was, Yeah, yeah, because he was in um, what, was it, what did he do recently? He's working on a. He's actually working on a show that's an adaptation of a uh, Robert Kirkman comic. Oh, he's an outcast. Yep, he's an yep. outcast. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I dude, he came on, and I was like, I didn't care who else we had on that weekend. I was like, this is the <laughs> biggest deal for me. This. This is the A-list. This is the most A-list we can get. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, boy, that guy. I mean, he's obviously like a great actor when he was like, I don't know, sixteen years old and all. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But as opposed to like some other teen actors, I mean, he has really aged well, and he like seems to pick his projects really well. Yeah. Um, God, what was that movie? Oh, he was in uh, Gone Girl. He was in Gone Girl. Yeah, he was the police Gone officer. Girl. Yeah. Every time he shows up, I just get like so psyched. I know, right? Yeah. You really he, he, he's always really good. He's never like, here's the almost famous dude at uh, yep. 30 years old. Now I'm a cop. You know, he yep. doesn't have a shtick at all. It's great. He does, he does look exactly the same, though. Anyway, Patrick, if you're listening, call me. Love you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. We can, uh, <laughs> can work you into Star-Lord somehow. Um, back to Star-Lord. So when you're doing a story like this, it always strikes me as if you're doing like an origin story, a year one story, I feel like, as you're writing, you must be learning more about the character that's going to inform how you write him when you get back to the present, yeah? Have you, have yeah, you picked anything ab up? Absolutely. I mean, you could say about any issue you write, but especially sure. like when you go back in time like that and you really get start wrapping your head around this character's mentality when they were 18 years old and you start thinking about when you were 18 years old and how you looked at the world and how you right. would talk to people who talked to you like this. Right, and, which was like, so recently for you, so it's easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was 20 years ago. Thank you, you flatterer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it really does. It does give you a different perspective on you know sort of their quote unquote current version, um, which we will be returning to in issue six after we do year one, um, and doing so under very interesting circumstances because Peter in uh, Bendis' Guardians of the Galaxy, he and Kitty, as we come back from eight months later, he and Kitty are no longer together. Yeah, uh, after all that work you did. I know, I know. Uh, you know, this, this, before anybody gets outraged, this was uh, all, all, all part of the plan, all part of the plan. I thought um, you were going to say this was all Bendis' idea. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, what, I, what I'm trying to say is, uh, if you're a StarCat fan, don't uh, attack right. Ryan online. It's not right. his fault. He did not do it without 
uh, consulting with me and the two of us sitting down and coming up with a lot of great ideas for what, how this is going to play out. But right. it is going to play out. And yeah, like writing year one and writing Peter's 18-year-old has really influenced the arc that's going to come after year one, which is where we're going to really get into the Peter and Katie breakup. Cool. I'm excited for it. All right. Last thing. Last Probably thing. the most important question of, uh, of this interview. Okay. Uh, it, goes, it harkens back to Weird World, but I wanted to save it for last. I hope I don't blow this. You will not. I have full confidence in you. Um, Better not be so, a gotcha question, Benjamin. Oh, a what question? A gotcha question. Oh, no, no. I have no gotcha journalism here. <laughs> um, so another series that just launched that is taking place in Weird World is Black Knight. Oh, yeah. So Black Knight's going on there. Um, my question for you is, have you been forced to have conversations with Frank Thierry? Oh, God. Have I ever. It has been a terrible ordeal. Uh, it's been a hell on earth. I'd rather live in weird worlds than get on the phone with him one more time. Uh, and this, 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 speaking of gotchas, that was the biggest gotcha was Tom being like, here's this amazing book you get to write. Oh, by the way, you have yeah. Frank Thierry. Here's the monkey's paw. Exactly. And boy, yeah. did I dodge his calls forever. But he got a new phone number just to trick me, and I had to pick it up, and that was the end of that. Well, you know, we're, we're, all, we're all sorry Frank for you. Hard. I love you, Frank. He's also, like, the biggest, like, smack talker in the world, so I don't feel bad at all talking about No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. He is a sweetheart, and Black Knight is an awesome book. Uh, yeah. It's very cool. And, and yes, we have been uh, coordinating and collaborating. And, and, you know, some of the things you're talking about, like how does Weird World come together and what's the mythology of Weird World and all that kind of stuff, that is something that has only expanded as Frank and I talk about it back and forth. And he's had a lot of ideas. Uh, I've had a lot of ideas. We put it all together in the mix. So a lot of great stuff happening in Weird World, you know. Um, uh, I, I'm actually now forgetting what's been announced and what's not, so I'm going to stay mum for the moment. But uh, a, lot, a lot of cool stuff, more stories happening in Weird World, and uh, it's it's the happening place to be in the Marvel Universe. It's awesome, man. We, we got a whole new playground in the Marvel Universe, which is already the coolest playground of them all. Exactly, and, and Frank's already ruining it. Yep, yeah, he's already uh, taking a piss in the uh, sandbox. <laughs> you know, you are going to get punched in the face. <laughs> Sam? Yeah. Sam Humphreys? No. He's a sweetheart. I love Anyways. you, Frank. You're the best. We he all love Frank. I, I love you, Frank. But uh but but he he he's an all time great smack talker, so I'm I'm happy to give yeah. him give him a little bit. He certainly won't listen to this, but he'll definitely hear about it. I oh I, I'm counting on it. Yeah. Um <laughs> Well cool man. Um anything else you want to talk about before we let you go? No man, I uh, you know I got I got all my feelings about Frank out there, so I, I think yeah, that's, that's what's important. Yep, yep. All right, sweet. All right, well we will uh, we will talk to you again soon, Sam. We will. We'll, thank we'll you very much, uh, and I can't wait to come back on the show uh, when I drop my new single and we have our all singing episode. Oh, I can't wait. Yes. Warm up all your right. voice, Frank Sinatra. Frank, Frank Thierry. <laughs> all right, thanks, guys. Thank you, Sam. Great stuff. Reading Club. Yeah, Reading Club. This week was my selection of Incredible Hercules, the first four issues written by Greg Lente, art by Fort Bam. Uh, these held up. 
in my opinion. They're great. It's the story of Hercules, post-World War Hulk, and just as much Amadeus Cho, really. Um, but it's a nice spotlight on Hercules, as him and Cho are now fugitives from S.H.I.E.L.D. So you've got S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, led by Ares. Cherry done going crazy. Uh, Ares is leading the charge against Hercules, his hated half-brother to him. He's also got Wonder Man and Black Widow on his side. Throughout the course of the four issues, we really get to know Hercules uh, in a different kind of way, and it really reverberated with the current Hercules series for me because it's another instance of Hercules being like, I've been a joke for a long time. I still like to have fun. I still like to party, but there are serious matters that need to be dealt with, and I am going to handle them. Amadeus Cho needs to be protected and perhaps mentored and initially Hercules thinks he is not the right choice for this but well, this is still comes around relatively early in Cho's career right I mean really at this point Cho had made his first appearance he was in World War Hulk and then this is it so it's like his third major story can you remind me what's up with the, the coyote puppy he found him in one of his first in his first appearance and basically just took him in as a pet so what happened after I don't remember like where where is he now I don't remember Greg, let's, let's call Greg. Let's imagine that he is in a happy home. Yeah, he has like doing well. a, a coyote family, plenty of food, and is like just super happy, happy and content. Okay, good. Um, the way we learn more about Hercules in this, which I really dug, what Pac and Van Lente did, is throughout each issue they would seed in a Greek myth, whether it was being told by Ares, whether it was being told by Hercules, and you found out. Okay, here's how the myths have it. And here's how it really went down with Hercules. It really expanded. For me, I love Greek mythology, so that was cool for me. It really expanded on that. And it made. Well, you have a minor in Greek mythology. I gave myself a minor in Greek mythology uh, earlier this episode, Um, so I'm an expert on it. And it it made Hercules more three dimensional. I loved Herc's interactions with Black Widow. Uh, I really enjoyed Ares and Wonder Man, the buddy cop duo that you never knew you needed wonder man is such a tool too. <laughs> it's, it's just, so he's like he's like hey guys i don't know what's going on what are we doing oh let's go fly the plane i'm so dumb but i love it when aries is like oh no my ally wonder man has been knocked out mysteriously and then just like punches him out he's like it must have been hercules just yeah. yelling because he's like that here this is also a nice follow-up to when we did aries because this is aries again like you know it's still kind of the kinder gentler Ares but also where he's in the Ares series we got to see everything from his perspective where of course he's the hero this is all from Hercules perspective where Ares is you know the god of war he's a jerk he will and he's really loving the fact that he is finally on top getting to do what he wants uh Koi Fam's art was great uh the whole art team did a nice job just depicting this rich world that could jump between the present and the past I like how Pac and Venlente seated Amadeus as being kind of a wild card, a guy who could go either way. Yeah, could be yeah. a hero or a villain. Yeah, I think that was really interesting. I've totally forgotten about that yeah. aspect of him. Because, Me too. Because, you know, now we just know him as... He's a hero. Yeah, he's, he's a hero. He's one of, like, the coolest characters. He's great. But at that point, yeah, like, he was at that, like... That would make a great what if. Like, like what, what if... What if Amadeus' show went bad? Yeah, like, that's... You're, you're essentially making another... Doctor Doom level type, potentially Doctor Doom level type villain. Yeah, and he's pissed here. He has reason to be. He wants to destroy S.H.I.E.L.D. Hercules has to convince him not to do it, but at the same time, he's got Ares on his tail. There's a lot going on. This was one of my favorite books for a long time. 
I mean, these are just the first four issues, but there are many, many, many more issues that you guys can read if you enjoyed this. Uh, there's a lot of different artists. Pac and Van Lente stick around. They really build it up. You really come to care about Hercules and Amadeus' relationship. You really come to love Hercules and Amadeus and all the other characters they put throughout. It was cool here because, you know, we got a little bit of Angel. We got Black Widow. Characters would come in and out of Hercules yeah. and you would really they would come to be defined by how they played off of him. Yeah, and, and it's an interesting place where Shield was at this time as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just so, what year was this? This was 2007. Seven. Yeah, 2007, the year after 2008. Civil War. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, that's only like eight years ago, seven, yeah. eight years ago, and how different you know things were for these characters. Right. And this, I mean, this is this is post Civil War Shield, so it's you have that sharp divide between registration and anti-registration people still out there and Hercules of course was on the wrong side of that as far as who won um, so he's still feeling reverberations from Civil War of course World War Hulk plays a lot into this it's a nice kind of snapshot of the Marvel Universe just before we blew it up again with Secret Invasion <laughs> oh man I can't wait to do Secret Invasion because I loved Secret Invasion so much yeah and we were right here in the thick of it and we right to, in the thick of it that was, that was we got to really jam on that yeah all right, that's what we thought. Let's find out what you guys thought. Uh, we only had a few people commenting this time, but they had a lot to say, so that's good. And we start with Dawn, DJ Fanco. Might be time to make some waffles and read some Herc. I had uh, chicken and waffles for dinner last week. You could I'd eat? never had it before. The waffles were? Gluten-free, dairy-free waffles Amazing. that my wife made on our waffle maker and some nice I had grilled chicken because I can't have fried chicken with it sure. so it was like a modified for me version of chicken and waffles yeah. it was delicious I love chicken and waffles so, so much yeah, it was really really good that's uh, that's going to be a staple now I yeah. think at the Morse household uh, asking me is it true New Jerseyites value their cars more than their lives Simon Williams said it um, you know I've been living in New Jersey for quite a while now like eight or nine years jeez um <laughs> But I still don't quite understand their value system. Uh, they love a lot of weird things, but also it depends where you go in New Jersey. I think they love their cars because they're such bad drivers. Yeah. Boom. They are terrible drivers. Yeah. I mean, I live in New Jersey, but I'm not it's from New Jersey. Awful. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a nightmare trying oof. to get around. More from DJ Fanko. Come on, Herc. There are better things to hit than bottles. Oh, yeah. Well, Herc hits them all. Agent Jones and Agent Callahan reviewing the situation was hilarious, but I felt bad for them. Yeah, I mean, they're put in a sticky situation. Yeah, it's tough. Absolutely. Uh, Hercules versus the Hydra was a fun battle to read, but never trust a centaur. That's an important <laughs> lesson we learned throughout this one. Art Adams' covers to the Incredible Hercules run was amazing. Yeah, they always had really good cover artists. They had um, Art Adams. Right after this, I know it went over to John Romita Jr. Art Sweetam was on there for a while. They always had good, good cover artists on Incredible Hercules. Seriously, Wonder Man and Ares on the road in New Jersey was one of my favorite parts of the story. Yeah. Us too. I really love the way Greg Pak wrapped up the Incredible Hercules arc. Just to correct you, that was Greg and Fred Van Lente. Right. They were the dream team on this. Ares wants to know why Herc is such a poor decision maker, but everyone still loves him. Then he tells Amadeus exactly why. All of the power and violence and action and comedy of the story culminates in a profound lesson. We laugh at buffoons, but we should be more eager to learn from their tragic choices and not repeat them. That was a marvelous end to an arc I never gave much attention. Thanks. Good choice. 
All right. Love hearing that. Uh, Max Bulverman just says, hashtag 65 million views, hashtag Wolfman watched it 65 million times, hashtag Civil War. Snuck it into the Twim URC. Dastardly. Dirty pool, old man. Dirty pool. Penelope Cat. I think Penelope Cat is our last one. Yep. Yeah. Guys, we want to see. Well, I, well, I know you're reading them, but yeah. we want to know your thoughts. Yeah, Even if you just say, thoughts. like, I liked it. Yeah. Great. That's enough. Yeah. Uh, Penelope Cat says, reading the Incredible Hercules stories post-World War Hulk for Twim URC. I know I read this run when it came out. I know I liked it, but I don't remember much about it. The Bob Layton Hercules miniseries is one of the earlier Marvel comics I read. Yes. I've had a soft spot for him ever since. Now, the Layton stuff was Hercules in space. That was like him in the future. Yeah, and it was funny. It, it was pretty humorous. Yeah, it had a yeah. humorous take on it. Really well drawn, Cunningham. too. Yeah, big fan. Knee of Wizard. Yeah. Uh, loved it. The unknown location now. Yeah. Uh, all right. Penelope Cat said, when I read this, Amadeus Cho was a new character. He's come so far. He really has. He's it's crazy evolved. how much he's evolved. Yeah. He said, I was so carried away by the momentum of the story, going to forego my usual comments. I always enjoy seeing how Marvel incorporates classic mythology into stories featuring mythological characters. Hercules stories could so easily just be about a big strong guy bringing in the classics adds another layer. Uh, ben, would you agree as someone who has a minor in... I mean, I have a minor in Greek mythology, yeah. um, and I agree. I think I pointed out earlier how much it added to the yeah. story. Agreed. So obviously I'm in agreement. Yep. Uh, Pelvic Cat says, it's been a long time since I read World War Hulk. Does this continue the themes of controlling your anger? That's a really good point. Um, I mean, Incredible Hercules was a continuation of Incredible Hulk. He took over the book. So a lot of the themes that Greg Solo had been exploring in Hulk, I think he did carry over to Hercules. Mm. He says, I appreciate how Herc and Cho are doing what they do out of friendship for Hulk or love for Cho's dog, mm-hmm. but maybe they go too far. That's the question. Yeah. Fortunately, they, especially Cho, realize they are acting out of anger and stop before they get that far, which is why they are heroes. I also appreciated Ares' position that he isn't any worse than Hercules, but what helps make him a bad guy is the jealousy. Mm. Well, it's the jealousy and it's the way he acts. Yeah. It's, it's the, the things he does uh, further and further. Uh, he says, Black Widow's part in 114 was fantastic. That was great. And it makes me want to read old champion stories. Mm-hmm. No, no, just, no, just enjoy this part. Yeah. Hercules' confession to Cho was tragic and really shed light on the character and the baggage he mm-hmm. carries with him under the laps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's kind of the thing that you, you get to see a lot with Hercules. Like, hey, he's laughing, and at some point it's just like, the laughter stops. Yeah. Be, there's, like, deep emotional pain, and that's... A lot of comedians talk sure. about that, like underneath, you know, all their jokes and their funny business, they are sad, know, sad, sad, sad people. Clowns. Yeah. Um, what else we got? He says, "I really liked Koi Fam's art. I see some Jim Lee and some Rob Liefeld in there, hmm. but he's also got his own style. Where is he now?" I'm off doing something somewhere else. Okay. <laughs> Uh, he says, uh, says, I can't remember how long I stayed with this book after this arc. It was a time I was stepping away from Marvel a bit. You're not a dummy for that. Yeah. Everybody has their, their times to as come back. As long as you come back, that's yeah. what's important. He says, as always with Trim URC, I find myself wanting to continue reading the book and see where things end up. You absolutely should. It's, it's, and it also is, the series tells a story with a beginning and middle and an end. You know, it continues as it always does, but the story of Hercules and Amadeus Cho does have a really cool conclusion. Yeah. Uh, he says, having loved Totally Awesome Hulk, I want more Greg Pak and Amadeus Cho. Anyway, what is Fred Van Linty doing these days? Not enough. I know. That's my he's not opinion. In, not doing enough for us. He's doing yeah. some really cool stuff. Elsewhere. Places. But yeah, I, I love Fred and I, I yeah. want him back. Totally. 
Um, and he says, love the reference to shield fighting monsters in Japan. Just got hmm. a Godzilla out of storage for my wife. Nice. Uh, I think your wife and I should be awesome friends. Good friends. Uh, because I have that essential Godzilla, and I love Godzilla so much. Who doesn't love Godzilla? Godzilla yeah. As ours. Just enjoy those memories. I know. All right. So uh, that's our tournament of the week for this week. Uh, it's my turn to pick, and as we talked about a little bit earlier in the Yeah, book, this is uh, a big swerve. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to pivot. Initially, I'll give you guys a hint, I was going to go with holiday specials, just a collection oh, that's of holiday cool. specials. Sure. Um, we didn't have the 90s ones, yeah, which was a bummer, that so hurts. it's all the ones from the 2000s. Uh, we could interview each other about the one we wrote in yeah, 2008. Right. Uh, that would be fun for so everyone. that would have been cool, but I thought, let's keep with Star Wars. Star Wars and keep hitting it. all three limited series are on here. Um, let's put them all in okay. the Twimurasi. We'll get to whatever we get to. You know, like you guys try to read them. Uh, they're basically a mix between Star Wars, the, ori- the the original trilogy, and what if stories. So they're really friggin' cool. Mm. Uh, That's a great concept. Yeah, it's such a great concept. They're pretty like light and breezy. It's four, three, four issue limited series. Uh, one for each of the three movies. Uh, get through them, check them out. We'll talk about them in two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks is that's that's the holiday week. I'll be for here. Me. I won't be here. You won't be here. Well, I I will be. You know what? I will be here on uh, Thursday. I'm here Monday and Tuesday. We'll figure something out. Yes. Maybe you have a. Maybe you could have Jordan White come on. If he's here. Special guest. Yeah. If he's here. All yeah. right. We'll figure something out. Cool. That's that's for two weeks. We have to figure out next week <laughs> first. <laughs> Should be a little easier. All right. Uh, all right. Thank you guys. We'll be back with more soon. This is Marvel. Your universe. Your universe. Universe. Yeah.